0: What's happening far far away family welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive so how's everyone doing today I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy not much new happening out here on the outer rim okay I guess there's a few things that we could cover and since Andor is starting in like a month I thought this would be kind of important to discuss Rogue One is getting an iMac release with the Andor first look with all the new Star Wars content on Disney plus this year We've had the Book of Boba Fett, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and there's one more new series to look forward to before 2022 ends. Star Wars Andor is set to debut in September, and will star Diego Luna as Rogue One's Cassian Andor. Andor will be a prequel to Rogue One, which means fans of the franchise will be wanting to revisit the hit film of 2016. I know I do. So if you wanted to see the movie again on a big screen, you're in luck. Because it's coming to IMAX this month, according to Fandango, Rogue One's re-release will feature a sneak peek at Andor, so we will get an exclusive look at the new Star Wars series. And we know the Andor series is a time of conflict, so we know a group of unlikely heroes have to band together on a mission. This is a key event in the Star Wars timeline. This will give us ordinary people who choose to do extraordinary things, and in doing so, they will become part of something greater than themselves. According to several sources, a new Rogue One poster will debut for this event. It is described as the film's hero setting against the outline of the Death Star. Andor showrunner Tony Gilroy recently spoke with FS Magazine and compared the series to The Born Identity. He stated that he has been trying to make an acoustic action movie. Because action movies have gotten so prompt in the 80s, they were just enormous. So when Born came along, it was about making it real. Keeping someone you really understand and really care about in a place that you understand. That idea drives Andor, because we are on the ground with these people. So everything that they do has an intimacy and an acoustic nature. But Rogue One is returning to IMAX on August 26th. Now moving on to some more Andor news. The new Andor theme will break the mold for the franchise. Having to operate in the shadow of John Williams, perhaps the greatest film composer in the history of movies, has to be a challenge for any musician, but is also one that a growing number of artists have taken on in recent years. Their contributions to the Star Wars franchise that many of them have done a pretty bang up job with. Ludwig's small screen work on The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett was amazing. Now we have the up upcoming Andor series, and Nicholas Bristol will do his best to follow in the footsteps of other Star Wars composers. For those who are not familiar with Nicholas, he has quickly made a name for himself by becoming the new go-to composer. Directors Barry Jenkins and Adam McKay have both used him. He crafted the central theme for Succession. Those who pay close attention to the music on Andor will be rewarded for their efforts, as each of the 12 episodes will feature a unique variation of Nick's primary theme. In the production notes, Tony Gilroy talks about the processes of discovering the series' main theme. He said one day that they went to Nick's house, and he played them the theme. He was like, oh my god, that's our theme. He called Kathleen Kennedy and told them that they have the theme for the show. He went on to confirm that each variation of the theme is different, a completely different interpretation of the main theme that Nick has done. We are going to make a brand new musical vocabulary as Disney continues to bring out brand new TV shows. It is important for each new series to find a way to separate themselves from the rest of the herd. In the case of Andor, Tony Gilroy's approach includes relying on practical effects and real world locations and adapting a style of music that better fits the war story Gilroy is trying to tell. As a showrunner sees it, bringing in the talent of Nick was vital to this effort. He states the music of Star Wars is essential to the process. We needed an entirely new vocabulary, and we are making a new visual vocabulary, a new storytelling vocabulary, a new casting vocabulary, all of these things. So we are going to make a new musical vocabulary as well. Nick wasn't only available, but he was interested. He is one of the most premier composers of right now, and he is on fire. In many ways, Gilroy is simply following the trails he helped to blaze. He oversees the reshoot of Rogue One in 2016, and this was the film that inspired Andor but also changed the visual tones and even the themes of the franchise. We shall see if his team can break the molds a second time with Andor. Andor premieres September 21st, 2022 on Disney+. Okay, moving on to something that I'm truly excited about. Dave Filoni apparently had strong words of praise after seeing an episode of Ahsoka, one of the most exciting moments of The Mandalorian Season 2, when the series introduced a live action version of Ahsoka Tana who teamed up with Din to defeat the tyrannical leader of Caladon? The former Jedi would later appear in the Book of Boba Fett, where she visited Luke Skywalker at the Jedi Temple and gave him some advice about teaching Padawans. Now her story is set to continue, a spin-off that will likely see Ahsoka hunting for Grand Admiral Thrawn, whose introduction was hinted at her first appearance on The Mandalorian. The series could be setting up both Ahsoka and Thrawn as major players in the future of Star Wars, a move that would delight fans of Star Wars and the Clone Wars animated series. It is clear that there's a lot riding on Ahsoka, and no doubt that there are plenty of people out there that are skeptical. They don't know if the series will be able to live up to all the height. Fortunately, some comments from Rosario Dawson herself should provide hope for the skeptics, as it appears that the series is already drawing praise from Dave Filoni. Star Wars fans know that Dave was the writer and supervisor director for The Clone Wars, the series that made Ahsoka into a fan-favorite character. And during a recent appearance at the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, Rosario Dawson revealed that Filoni apparently had an incredible emotional reaction when he seen a fully completed episode and he said to her that it was like a religious experience. The fact that Filoni was so deeply moved by the show is certainly good news for the fans, especially considering his deep connection to the character of Ahsoka Tano. Now considering how the fandom can be when a project doesn't live up to their expectations, one has to hope that Filoni's reaction will soothe any misgivings that fans may have about the series. Perhaps it will even persuade some of the more skeptical fans to give Ahsoka a chance. In any case, Dawson's comments ought to make fans hopeful that Ahsoka can continue the story. Okay, that's it for news this week. Let's move on to some fun facts. But before we get to that, we would like to know if you like the new format of the show. Email us at sway.audio at gmail.com and tell us what you think. We are always trying to improve, so we like to get that information from you. Okay, what do we have for fun facts this week? C-3PO and R2-D2 may have been the best of buddies on screen, but off screen, the actors who played the droids allegedly despise one another. According to Hollywood.com, Kenny Baker, the actor who portrayed R2-D2, said, Anthony Daniels is rude. He keeps himself to himself. He never wanted to have a drink with any of us. Once when I said hello to him, he just turned his back on me and said, can't you say I'm having a conversation? I was blazing with rage. It was the rudest thing anyone had ever done to me. I was furious and it was unbelievable. Well, that had to be terrible. Maybe that's why he turned down our invitation to come on the show. Okay, so let's get to what we came to hear. Star Wars Brotherhood. The one we left off last week, Obi-Wan was trying to prepare Anakin for his new role. A role where he would have to deal with younglings. And figure out why his young friend had these strange emotions when Padme was brought up. So let's see what's happening now. But first we gotta drop the intro. Hey real quick, do you guys like the intro here or do you like it better at the beginning? Let us know. But for now, let's drop it. What really do have it. you have? You're now tuned in to park your swings and just sit back and I'm ready to play. Let me take
1: your thoughts far far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Rogue cornum. No matter how much she showered, Ruth felt the accumulated grime of recent days cling to her body. A stench of decay that refused to let go. Hours of inhaling fumes, getting caked in soot and debris, or desperately hoping that some life remained in yet another uncovered body, all made for an endless toil that left a thick film on both her body and mind. She'd washed. The guard station in Zara's capital complex Offering facilities just as ornate as the governmental offices Yet despite cleaning up Along with a complete change of clothes And a decontamination of her custom armor Her body felt raw As if the mists of the surface had burned skin away And exposed every nerve She walked across the top floor hallway by herself Case in each hand One for the pieces and modules of her rifle, and one for the segments of her custom armor. Ruge always took these back to her quarters, not for safety purposes. Every member of the Nemoidean Royal Guard had a secure locker for equipment. But because without them, she simply felt incomplete. Around the corner, an open balcony allowed Kato Nemoidea's breeze to sting her face. She turned, taking a moment. And though her view of the cityscape was high enough that she could see the trailing plumes of smoke from Katasura, the flashes immediately below her drew her attention. One story down sat a flat courtyard, a simple outdoor facility for security force training. And in the middle of it knelt Kitar, rifle propped against his shoulder. He fired muted yellow bursts of training bolts zipping across the space toward training battle droids the bolts absorbed into their light shields though each droid deactivated upon impact all except the last which started marching faster fight still Kita cursed loud enough to echo into the air then he stood and approached the remaining droid rifle up one shot rang out then another, then a third, each directly hitting the battle droid. Its body went limp, arms hanging down. "what's sto! let out again, though this time it clearly didn't have to do with any accuracy. Another flurry of bolts flew into the droid, but with its shields deactivated, the training rounds burned dark patches on the droid's outer shell. He fired, again and again, the impact, knocking that single droid over. Rather than stand down or reload, Kitar flipped the rifle over and started to smash the droid's head with its stock. Chips of alloy broke off, splintering in different directions, until Kitar fell onto both knees from frustration or exhaustion or both. Rug understood. She'd been around death and destruction a long, long time, and even still, nothing had come close to Katasura. She dropped her two cases over the ledge, then leapt over herself, twisting to land in a roll that safely carried her momentum forward. The noise caught Kitar's attention, and the young guard looked up. You know I can teach you to vault like that, Murm said neatly stacking her cases on top of each other before approaching her partner. Might be a better use of your time than target practice. She pointed at the now headless battle droid, collapsed beside them. I think you win. Okay, this part just starts off in a
0: bad way. Rue was covered with and ash, and the smell of death. She was trying everything to get clean, and that just sounds really bad. Could you imagine looking through rubble, hoping you would find a survivor just to find more dead bodies? Not only are they trying to do this in a smoky area, but the smell of burning flesh had to be horrific, and Nymordians look like they just smell extra bad when they are alive. I couldn't imagine what they smell like when they are barbecued. Plus all the dust from the blast, that just sounds like a very bad day. And Nymordians have those big eyes, I bet she has so much dust in her eyes, I wonder if they have goggles that they could wear, or did their eyes just have some kind of shielding. But Rogue was trying to get all of this off of her. Plus, she also brought her weapons home with her. They had a locker to store their gear back at home base, but she felt incomplete without them. Well, yeah, with people blowing up the city, I wouldn't go anywhere without my weapons either. Shoot, I don't leave my house without my gun. This world is crazy to walk around with without protection. And I always think it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. So I understand where she's coming from. But at some point, she sees a flash of light, so she looks down to the platform below, and she sees her partner Kitar. He is shooting at some practice droids. These droids had shields, and when they are hit, they would shut down. He uses his rifle to shoot all except the one he missed, which started running towards him. He says a Naimodian curse word that I couldn't find the definition for. One thing that I can't stand sometimes, I hate when authors make up stuff that you can't research. I want to know what that means, and we couldn't find the definition anywhere. But he starts shooting at the droid. He hits him on the first try, but when the droid deactivates, he just keeps on shooting it over and over again, leaving big black scorch marks everywhere. When he runs out of charge, then he flips the rifle over and starts beating the droid's head in. I think Kitar has some anger issues. He might want to go see someone about that. That doesn't even sound like how Nymordians act. The way Dex described them, they're all about risk management. So this part don't even make sense. Well, I guess they would even get mad if a bunch of their people just got killed. But is just watching all this happen, then she jumps over the edge of the balcony, which is a story above the practice area. I think she is crazy as he is. They don't have stairs or a lift, that's just dumb and goes against their nature. The risk factor says she might break something, so jumping over the edge is not smart. I know they are soldiers, but why take unnecessary risk? She tells Kitar that she could teach him how to do it, it would probably serve him better than destroying droids. If I was Kitar, I would think she was crazy. I think he knows that she used to be part of the special forces, but being in the special forces is supposed to make you smarter, not make you think you are invincible. And that's where we stop. So let's listen to the rest to find out what else happens.
1: It's not target
0: practice.
1: Kitar said, almost too soft for her to hear. Yeah. She said, planting herself next to him. I get it. Sometimes you just gotta blast a droid She picked up twisted pieces from the battle droid's smashed head Or beat the poodoo out of it Keetar reached down toward the mess of servos and wiring sticking out of the droid's neck Though he stared off at the mists above the buildings I just can't understand it all Hey, Rook said, one hand on his shoulder You don't have to That's not your job. How can you not try to, though? The rifle fell to the textured training surface and long green fingers pressed against his closed eyes. How can anyone justify this? Those questions demanded answers. Questions without sense, answers without logic, questions with no answers. They came for everyone who engaged with war for the first time. Even for someone who'd felt her own compassion broken apart and rebuilt so many times, Katasura made Ruge interrogate what little faith she had left. Except right now, she couldn't let Kitar see her own fragility. Our job is to help people. You did that today. Rug squeezed his shoulder, yet Kitar remained motionless, face in hands. She debated going into soldier mode. On your feet. Treat your weapon with respect. But a catastrophe of this size meant not every single person in the capital, on the planet, perhaps even in the sector, processed it differently. Rube chose the only thing they could do at a time like this. Ketone Moidia is counting on us, she said in a quiet but steady voice. Though it took several seconds, that sentiment seemed to worm its way in. At least enough for Keetar to meet her face to face again. Emotions intensifying the color and cracked pupil lines of his eyes. Rug stood, then held a single hand out. And while she waited, she listened to the sounds of other people walking around the government complex. Of speeders flying to and from landing platforms. Of the planet's intense winds swirling around them. And when he was ready, Kitar took her hand. Mroog pulled just enough to boost him up. And though the young man stood taller than she, he seemed as tiny as a newly born Nemoidian in grub form. You should get some rest, Mroog said. We have a lot to do tomorrow. People to help. Yeah, Kitar said. Face pulled downward. He bent over and picked up the fallen rifle. And slung the strap back over his shoulder. I mean it. Get some rest. Kita grunted an affirmative, though by the time Rube got to her equipment cases, the training droids had powered back up again. Halfway out, she turned to see him returning to an attack posture, the stock of his rifle against his shoulder, while bolts launched just off target. She considered telling him that he should adjust the stock a few centimeters lower for better stability chose not to instead she left him to burn off his frustrations as she considered her own armor in one hand and rifle in the other
0: okay Kitar is having a hard time Rugi is trying to cheer him up but it sounds like she doesn't know how she's 100% all soldier and compassion might not be her strong suit she is trying her best but at the same time she doesn't want to sound like a pansy so she tells Kitar that his job is to help people and that is exactly what they are doing But I guess most of us can relate. We have all lost people to some horrific manner. It wasn't from some kind of bombing or war or just getting killed. It was from COVID or some other kind of disease. That's one of those things about life. The one thing that we can't escape. Death comes for us all. But is trying to get him to see the positive in what they are doing. And at the same time, trying not to be too harsh. She wants to be like get up soldier, quit acting like a baby, we got a job to do. But she did know that this wasn't the time for that, so she told him to go get some rest. He grunted yes. so she went to pick up her things, and then she realized he was back at it again. He was about to yell at him and tell him to go get some rest again, but she decided to let him burn off his frustrations. She is better than me, if I would have gave him a direct order to go get some rest and he did the opposite of what I said, I would have drop kicked him in the back. No, I'm just playing. You have to let people deal with things on their own, because everyone deals with things differently it is only when you see that they're not getting better that you might want to step in and help. But overall, this wasn't a bad part. It was more emotional than action, but we did get some droid bashing. Okay, so let's get to the quote from this week, and this week's quote comes to us from Ray Goforth. He said that there are two types of people that will tell you you cannot make a difference in this world, those who are afraid to try and those who are afraid you will succeed. The reason I picked this quote was it reminded me of my own experiences. I had a lot of people, people that I thought cared for me, my close friends and family, tell me that I could not make it, that I needed to get a nine to five, work and take care of my family. And that's how life was lived. Find you a trade and do it for the rest of your life. And for some people, that's all they want out of life. But I wanted more than that. It was never about the money for me. It was about making a difference, changing the world for better. The avenue I chose was entertainment. I wanted to make people laugh and smile. So I had to start at the bottom and work my way up. But for a long time, I hated those who doubted me. Those people who said they cared, then told me that I couldn't do it. I didn't talk to them for years even some of my own family then me being me someone who is always trying to better himself was reading inspirational quotes and i ran across this quote it made me realize that it wasn't all their fault a lot of this has to do with fear some people will just try to hold you back because they're afraid that you will leave them behind and some people do it because they don't want to try themselves they don't have the courage so they will try to hold you back i won't lie to you and say it doesn't hurt and i can't say that i handled it the best cutting someone off just because of their fears but i will say that I did what I thought was best for me. I didn't want to be around negativity and I knew that I was meant for more. So I separated myself from those people. And sometimes that is what you will have to do. It will be hard, but it will be worth it when you look back on your life and you are happy with what you have achieved. One of those things that most successful people will say is to gain success, you will have to sacrifice a lot, a lot of time, a lot of sleep, and sometimes the people that are holding you back. Because anyone that doesn't support your dreams doesn't have your best interests at heart. Life is about achieving your goals. That's what makes it worth living. When you overcome an obstacle and you can see the beauty on the other side, that sense of accomplishment, knowing that you are one step closer to your dream. In those moments, the last thing you want is someone standing over your shoulder being negative, telling you that you didn't do anything, saying that you will fail. Like I said, fear makes people say and do really bad things. So sometimes you will have to leave them behind. But don't waste any of your energy hating them for something that most don't even realize they are doing. Use that energy to push forward in pursuit of achieving your goals. I really hope this helps someone out in the galaxy. Okay, one last thing before we end the show. I want to remind everyone to get them emails in to us. Let us know what you think of the show. Do you like the new format? Maybe how we could improve. Remember, those emails sign you up for the giveaways. Almost every episode I ask a question because we truly want to know your opinion. And if you don't want to email us every time a new giveaway is starting up, you can always become a supporter of the show. And then you are automatically entered into all the giveaways. There is a link in the description. Okay, I think that's it for this episode. Join us next week for some more Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.